Hello, everybody. Welcome back to Dafa Shavua. As we study Mesechus Ksuvos Daf Chaf it's a very important Daf establishing uh, the Yichus of a Kohen. We also uh, flip back into our discussion, which started uh, last week, and something we've been covering for uh, several Dafim is the issue of Pesha Asra Pesha Hitir. And I want to relate one case to uh, the holiday of Purim. We know the general principle is if that a woman is taken captive by a non-Jew, there's an assumption that uh, she was violated. However, we saw that if she's the one who offers the information and says she was not violated, so then we have Pesha Asr Pesha Hitir. The famous question that comes up by... Uh, the holiday of Purim, is how is it possible for Esther, and I like to put Esther into the category of uh, being taken captive, because if you look in the Megillah, she was taken from the home of Mordechai. What happens, and this is discussed in the Gemara in Sanhedrin, it's a very important Gemara, there's a Tosfos there that's often skipped, but the Gemara in Sanhedrin, Ayin Dalit Ahmed Beis, Ask this question, what happened to the issue of Yaharig Valyavar, where we know it's established that for three, what we call the three cardinal uh, principles, a woman has to, three cardinal sins, a woman would have to give up her life. Shri Domim, Avodazara, and Gile Arayas. Now there is a question that's raised by Tosfos and specifically Rabbeinu Tam. Rabbeinu Tam's of the position that this does not apply to a non-Jew. So Gile Arayos would be a situation of uh, only with a Jew. What is also being assumed in this Gemara is that Esther is married because the Gile Arayos that we're discussing about is with an Ashish Ish, not just Dom having relations with a non-Jew. And uh, of course there is t- our teachings in Chazal that she was married to Mordechai. In fact, <coughs> according to some of the Rishonim, the reason why Mordecai would constantly visit her was to see if she had any need of Shilas. So very interesting. I covered that last week in the Hashkamash here. So putting aside the explanation of Rabbeinu Tam, we end up with a very famous position. Now, this position is actually mentioned in the Gemara itself, that a woman is Kakarka Olam, which means that that she is being treated as acting in a passive way, that it's the man, especially in the situation of Achashverosh, who was uh, more active, who was active, and uh, then she was passive. And in general, in a beer relation, that could be true. But then the question is raised, what happens when she finally decides to uh, approach Achashverosh and some of the Rishonim explained that in this situation, she is shifting from being passive to being more active. There's a, a very interesting tshuva of the Node Behuda. And the Node Behuda says on this topic that we're, we have a special exception. This could be found in Node Behuda in most editions of the Node Behuda that we have in Yardea, Kufsam Machalaf, that there's an exception to the rule of Yaharag Val Yavor, that normally a person can't uh, violate one of the cardinal sins, even to save a life. 
But when one is transgressing the sin in order to save not just a few people, but uh, the entire nation or significant part of the nation. So in the case of Esther, was permitted to go to the king on her own uh, volition. Now, there is an interesting question, which she allowed to be back with her husband. And the assumption, and you can see this in the Maharik, in Chuva 167, Kuf Samazayan, is that she would not be allowed to again be with her husband. I mean, you just talk about the unbelievable consequences of uh, what's what's taking place. And it's much easier to look at this outside than looking at, uh, in real cases, we had cases in Nazi Germany where similar issues uh, came up. There is, as I mentioned before, a very famous Tosvos, it's a very long Tosvos, who goes through many of the details of this question. But I just wanted to give a little bit of a uh, connection as we are approaching the uh, Chag of Purim. And this is a big question. You know, a lot of big questions you have to just appreciate have been asked before. We're not the first ones that ask the question, and it's addressed by Chazal. That's also um, the context of Tosvos is because Gemara points out that Yaharg Yavor would also apply even beyond the three cardinal principles if your enemies, the enemies of the Jewish people, declared something publicly that the Jews could not be involved in, like a specific mitzvah. Even in that situation, for Kiddush Hashem, one would have to give up their life. And there are tons of chuvos on these issues, how they applied. We have a lot of discussion in the First Crusades, 1096, a lot of questions, even during Chalmanitsky Massacre, 1648, and of course, uh, most recently, during the Shoah. It also, of course, raises the question uh, today, you have more women in the Israeli army that are actually involved in combat. Not getting into our discussions, whether that's good or bad, political discussions and beyond, but there are combat units that are mixed or maybe even separate, but the bottom line is, what happens if one of these women is taken captive? Now, again, the halachic issue is secondary to the safety of the person, but these are questions that uh, could come up, and sometimes it's going to be the balance, as the Nodah Behuda pointed out, uh, as far as saving uh, the Jewish nation. That would be a reason maybe where we would allow certain behavior. If Chas Shalom, that's what's happening. So these are, these are major, major questions. The advantage that you seem to have in uh, the case of Esther is Esther did have a good posek named Mordechai, so these questions were not, uh, they didn't have to be decided by the victim themselves, where so often these decisions have to be discussed. You give up your life for these specific uh, sins in order to create Kiddush Hashem. Let's spend some time on the yichus of a Kohen. Everybody knows the joke about the person who comes to Agabe and says, you know, I'm a Kohen because my father was a Kohen, etc., etc. I mean, that's really the punchline of the joke, but not the actual joke. But you could ask me on a job as if you didn't get it. Somebody comes to the shul, get the Torah, any shul, wants to join as a member of the shul. The rabbi has to make sure 
of a few things. And people in the community are relying on this. First of all, we want to know, is this person Jewish? Just because they say they're Jewish, how do we know they're Jewish? So that's usually pretty easy to establish. We're going to reference another community. They knew the parents. We actually require on our membership, we don't do a full investigation, but we need to, they need to identify where was their previous shul. Want to see the mother's name, and uh, which is the most important. We like to see the father's name as well. And we ask people, and generally we could rely on people telling the truth. Were you a ger? Were you a convert? Of course, there's nothing to be embarrassed about. But if someone then says, not only am I uh, a Balchuva, but I'm a Kohen. If somebody says that they're a Ger and they're a Kohen, we know we don't believe that. But what's this person's believability? They're not trying to lie. Maybe they were told by a parent that they're a Kohen. You know, often at a Bar Mitzvah, maybe for the first time, the parent's going to have this conversation with the kid, especially if it's a kid who didn't go to shul, didn't know whether his father duchened or not, um, which I assume they do in conservative, you know, non-Orthodox synagogues, especially today when you have so many people who are unaffiliated. It's going to be even harder to trace. You see, if it's somebody's coming from a non-Orthodox synagogue, okay, maybe you could look at the gravestone. In certain situations, uh, Rabbi Salavechik said that would be enough to establish a chazaka. Not every case. You have to obviously trust the people who are in charge of the gravestone. What we say by the gravestone is you'll see the hands on it. If it goes back generations of hands on the, you know, the hands like the Berchus Kohanim, Amulevi, we have on, uh, going back a few generations, at least that I'm aware of, the Tilas Yadayim cup. Now, being a levy is really not a big deal as far as establishing the yichus today. But for Cohen, it's very important as far as whether Cohen can marry a grusha. So just because a guy says he's a Cohen doesn't necessarily mean that he is a Cohen. And that's what's going on in our Gemara. And we've seen this in practical ways. I've seen people who have actually switched their affiliation multiple times which means they thought they were Kohen, and then they find out they're Levi, now they find out they're, they're Yisrael. So this Gemara is going to go through how we establish it and what the consequences are. Now, sometimes the consequences are significant because you're going to have a Kohen cannot marry a Grusha. So if Baal Tshuva comes and he says he's a Kohen, he should not be able to marry a Grusha. But what happens if we can't establish his yichus? Now, let's say he has the name Katz or the name Cone. That's not necessarily enough to establish the yichus because in Ketetara, there are a number of Katzes who are not Kohanim. How about anybody know any Cones who are not Kohanim? I do, at least Cone that's spelled with a K. And again, names, the name Cone, maybe they were trying to make it sound... Uh, less Jewish than Goldberg, who knows? So we need to do a little bit of research. That's what this Gemara is going to help establish. I want to read to you Rambam, which is going to be a good starting point for this discussion, which we hopefully will continue uh, next week.
So this Rambam is found in Hilchos Yisurei Bia, which just gives you a sense of the consequences. You see, a Kohen is more than just Birchas Kohanim. I may have told the story that uh, I used to think that in Eretz Yisrael, in every location, there's Birchas Kohanim. So I was once on a Federation trip. We went up to Naharia, or Haifa, I don't recall exactly where, and I uh, convinced a person, non-observant person, who said he was a Kohen. At that point, I think he actually uh, was at, had a few generations. They were able to establish the Yichas. But either way, he said he was a Kohen and he wanted to be Ola Duchen. It's a whole discussion. What happens if a person is not a Kohen and goes up to Duchen? They're going to violate an Asay of the Torah, that's for sure. But it's a bigger discussion. And the only way I was able to get him to go to Shul was by telling him there's a Birchus Kohanim. I was wrong, because uh happens to be Birchus Kohanim on a daily basis does not take place in the entire Eretz Yisrael. There's certain northern parts of the country where they never um, established or never went back to saying Birchus Kohanim during uh, the week. So the whole history connects to the Vilna Gon, etc. So the Rambam in Perik in, uh, Chaf it gives you the consequences and a little bit of the procedure, and it's based on the Mishnah that we saw last week, continuing with the Gemara. And a lot of this Gemara today is going to be on the second daf. Rambam is saying in his time, but we apply this to our time as well, Guy says he's a Kohen. That's not enough to establish his Nemanus. And then the Rambam says, what are the consequences? He doesn't get to read in the Torah Rishon, which the Kohen gets the first Aliyah. You can't let him go up to Duchen. And he wouldn't be able to um, eat food that's eaten within the boundaries of Eretz Yisrael. This discussion, not for now, but Eid would be believed. So if he, there's another aid. Eid Echad over here would be considered believed. You don't require two Eidim. We're in the world of Isra Veheter. Eid Echad Neman Bisurin. Ava Oser Atzma Begrusha Vizona Vechalala Veina Matami Lamesim. The fact that he comes and he says that he's a Kohen, he's not going to be able to marry Grusha, Zona, Chalala. These are people who are an affirmed, confirmed Kohen can't marry. Veina Matami Lamesim. He's not going to be able to go to a Levaya. You know, unless it was one of his Zion Krovim. And then the Rambam even goes on to discuss uh, the punishment for this. Now the question is, why? Right? Why is there this uh, distinction that is made? Is it just being done out of Chumrah? <coughs> so some of the Mepharshim explain on the Rambam that once he considers himself a priest, a Kohen, it's as if he's taken a neder not to get involved in uh, these activities. You could also just say that it is uh, l'chumra, to be sure. And again, if the person is already married, then we'd have to have a uh, separate analysis. Now, there's a very interesting statement of the Ramah. And this is the Ramah that's found in Perik, in, in Evan Ezer, Gimual. The Ramah says, <coughs> the Ramah says in uh, Simon Gimel, the name of the Simon, just to show you what's how loaded it is, Din Ben Shehu Safek Likahuna. 
So Ramah says, Mishabah is mana. This is the Shulchan Aruch first. We'll get to the Ramah. Shulchan Aruch is just going to be a restatement of the Rambam. Mishabah is mana zevi amar koinani. Eno nemon. So far, just like the Rambam. Vein malon osu lakuna al piatsmo. He's not going to be able to elevate it on himself. Again, he's going to need at least another aid. Comes along the Ramah, and the Ramah says, There are those that say, as far as for an Aliyah, he has Nemanus. The basic position over here is that a person who says he's a Kohen, we're going to treat him as a Kohen, at least in certain areas. Velisa as Kapov, and he Kaduchin, Bizman Hazeh. Uh, Velisa as Kapov, and he Kaduchin. Then he says, Bizman Hazeh, Shein Lana Truma, Daraisa, Shinachu Shema Yalu Osal Truma. Since Truma, even in Eretz Israel today, is only a Drabanon, we're not concerned about it. So he doesn't seem to be concerned about the Lisa as Kapov, even though I pointed out that it could be an Isser, a violation of an assay by duchening when you're not supposed to duchen. And then he goes on to say, And he says that's the accepted practice, the Ramah. Now the Ramah most likely was dealing with people who were observant. It doesn't seem this would apply, and there's actually a tshuva of Reb Moshe. It's a tshuva that I have had to uh, use in consultation with Gedolim, where Reb Moshe says, just because a father who's not religious says that his kid's a Kohen, the case he's dealing with over there was the father told the kid that it's bar mitzvah, that he's a Kohen. Reb Moshe says that doesn't establish kahuna. And it ends up being a big leniency because you have a situation like that. It's a Balchuva who thinks he's a Kohen. His father told him he was a Kohen. He would be able to marry a Grusha. If he was already married to a Grusha, he wouldn't uh, have to divorce her. So this is in the fourth Chalik of a Ramosha Chalik Dalit. Maybe we'll see it at one point uh, more inside. Now, even on this Ramah, there was tremendous uh, controversy and not everybody held of it. Even see the Magad Mishnah talking about this on the Rambam and the Chalkas Mechalkeik on the Shulchan Aruch, that it wasn't accepted. Now, what's interesting is the Shulchan Aruch adds, and the Ramah is going to agree with this, the Ramah does not make any statement over here. So as far as the stringencies of the Kahuna, those stringencies will apply, which again is consistent with believing that he's a Kohen, but when the Shulchan Aruch said it, it wasn't necessarily for the same reason that the Ramah is saying it. For the Shulchan Aruch, he's saying it whether it was because of Neder or because of Chumrah, the Ramah seems to say there's not so, so many consequences to it. Why he's not worried about Ola Loduchen is a uh, curious question that needs to be resolved. Okay, we're going to stop here. You should have a great week of learning.